0: I love the colorful clothes she wears And the way the sunlight plays upon her hair I hear the sound of a gentle moon On the wind that lifts her perfume through the air I'm picking up good vibrations She's giving me Well, hello, I'm Solazar, and welcome to Good Vibrations Radio, Tools for Transformation. Now, quantum physics tells us that we are all energy vibrating at different frequencies, and in Good Vibrations Radio, we want to bring you information that allows you to change the vibrational frequency of your life. We are your source for everyday alchemy, so you can turn the lead in your life, into gold. Now, Good Vibrations Radio is made possible through the sponsorship of Magic for Life, which is the promoter-producer of the Rhoda Psychic Fair. Naturally, like so many others, the Rhoda Psychic Fair has been a constant in Monterey County for 35 years, except for this past year. Thanks to COVID, we had to cancel both of our events, and so we haven't had any event this year, but we are scheduled for April 17th. 2021 at the Monterey County Fairgrounds. Make sure you're on our email list. Go to goodvibrationsradio.com or rotapsychicfair.com. Sign up for the email list so you can be notified when the events are coming around. Now, keep in mind, we don't know what April's going to bring us about. So it's also possible that may get pushed out. So stay informed. Now, for a variety of reasons, Good Vibrations Radio has been off the air since September 2018. It's really great to be back. Previous shows can be found by visiting the podcast page at goodvibrationsradio.com, and the link is on the homepage of the website right there in front. Most of you know who are familiar with me that each year I pull a tarot card for the year. And for this year, the Osho Zen tarot card for 2020 is the Miser. She's the four of rainbows. Now, it's a woman who's built a fortress around herself. She's clinging to all her possessions because she thinks that's her fortress. By holding on to her treasures, they become faded, tarnished, and ugly. And so has she. And this is all about, this year is not about hiding behind things. It's about bringing the truth of our emotional, physical, spiritual selves into the world, revealing our true gifts, our true self, being who we are meant to be. And while that will make a perfect transition to our guests later, before we get into that, let me tell you a little bit about me. I'm a speaker, performer, reader, healer, radio host, and author. And I've been part of the metaphysical community all my life. My undergraduate and graduate degrees are in metaphysics. This show shares a variety of those topics offered by those who have explored those areas, those areas of self. Now, a habit I built up over the years was to start each day with the reading from day by day with James Allen. In 1903, James Allen published his essay, As a Man Thinketh." He chose the title from chapter 23, verse 7 of Proverbs, which says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It was described by Alan as a book that will help you help yourself. Now, Alan wanted all of us to know that in your own thought world, you hold the key to every condition, good or bad, that enters your life. Your present reality is a direct outcome of your past thoughts, intentions, and beliefs. But your future is not predestined by your past. By working patiently and intelligently on your own thoughts, intentions, and beliefs, you can remake your life and transform your circumstances. And in Day by Day with James Allen, his essay has been broken into a separate section for each day of the month. So for the 18th day of the month, James Allen shares definitely directed All achievements, whether in business, intellectual, or spiritual world, are the result of definitely directed thought. So how many times have you heard that most of us spend more time planning our vacation than we do our life? Definitely directed thought is illustrated best by the story of John Goddard. Perhaps you've heard of him. At the age of 15, John Gardner sat down in his kitchen and wrote a life list of 27, 127 goals. Now, in his lifetime, he completed over 109 of the items on his list, including climbing 12 of the world's highest mountains. He conducted 14 major expeditions into remote regions. He traversed 15 of the world's most treacherous rivers. He visited 120 countries of the world. He studied 260 primitive tribes. He's flown 47 different types of aircrafts. He traced the route of Marco Polo through the Middle East, Asia, and China. And he traveled in excess of 1 million miles during his adventurous life, the equivalent of 45 times around the world. He left us at the age of 89 as the greatest goal achiever of all time. Now, in his recording of The Strangest Secret, the late, great Earl Nightingale told us, we become what we think about most. Where are your definitely directed thoughts directed? To help with my focus and thoughts, I've shared many times that I have a series of prayers and affirmations that I use each day to help me focus on positive thoughts. I do a morning and evening set of forgiveness prayers. I do a gratitude affirmation. I do ho'oponopono. I do unconditional love affirmations. And I collect a positive thought from the daily word produced by the Unity School of Christianity. Now, the daily word for September 18th is, I trust the healing power of divine intelligence. See, it reminds us that we're all manifestations of the divine within. It reminds us to release our fear and doubt. And let our divine light shine through. And if ever there was a synchronicity, I think I trust the healing power of divine intelligence along with directed thought. Can't be any more synchronistic than that, which leads us to today's guest. Bridget Dangle Gaspard has an, had an early interest in dance and acting and comedy. And in her pursuit to engage her creativity, she stumbled upon improvisation, and she also discovered voice dialogue, a simple yet powerful technique of listening and communicating with our inner selves. As she experienced more of the power of healing, she earned a Master of Social Work from Columbia University. She acquired experience in dialectical behavior therapy and cognitive behavior therapy. She also founded the New York Voice Dialogue Institute, offering professional trainings approved for continuing education credit. In her book, The Final Eight, Bridget guides readers through the process to identify our inner selves and how to use our inner selves to help us overcome internal blocks. Bridget, welcome to Good Vibrations Radio. Thank you so so much. It's so
1: good to be here.
0: It's so good to have you. (laughs) So I want to also let the listeners know that Bridget rushed away from a previous interview to be here early because we had to change it. And what I have to say about that is that she did it with grace and courtesy and absolutely did not have to do it. But I think it's a reflection of when people are tied to their message, they live their message and act their message. So thank you very much for being oh. coherent.
1: <laughs> wow. Well, thank you. Um, I'm really honored and it felt right. So I'm happy.
0: Well, thank you so much. Now, I want to ask you, too, I want to go back to where I started is, as someone who studied voice dialogue, can you share how voice dialogue became your foundational framework for where you moved into with the final eight?
1: So I discovered voice dialogue randomly, which means synchronously. <laughs> talk about divine intervention, and it was pure divine intervention. So I was a performer in New York City, and I was looking for creativity tools, and I was doing stand up and writing. And so I actually read about voice dialogue in a book, and just reading about it electrified me. Mm-hmm. And so I hunted down doctors Hal and Sidra Stone, who created it, and in those days, it was the 1-800 number. That's how you hunted people down. (laughs) So I started to uh, mentor with them. And I'm honored to say that like this book wouldn't exist without them. And so I became a master trainer and facilitator. I started the New York Horse Dialogue Institute because I loved the work, which is our healthy personality. It's not about pathology at all, is that we're composed of different selves. Well, as a performer, that makes total sense. I'm sure you would agree. Hello. (laughs) But so I loved it just on the surface level. You can literally use it as a tool. Like I want to explore being a Santa Claus with a, that's a shy Santa Claus. And you would bring in your shy self on purpose. But as I started studying, I watched the healing happen so fast in some cases. The idea of going to different selves and separating because you are actually making a bigger definition of yourself. You realize, wow, I'm so much more than I thought I was. And so I, I was so entranced by the healing power. I literally went back to school so I could be official and do the work of working with people with creativity and healing, but focusing on the voice dialogue. So in my practice, and I suffered it myself. I began to notice people who are dedicated, talented, hardworking. They were amazing. They'd get seven eighths of the way there and stall in front of their finish line. You know, examples abound, right? That last five pounds you don't lose. You're ready for that relationship. You're dating productively and yet you always cut things off when it actually becomes intimate. It's very painful and that, and I had my own, you know how long it took for me to write a book about finishing. <laughs> and I never did finish it, but it, and that's how, and I realized different parts of ourselves. We think we are for the goal with every fiber of our being, but the truth is we're not. Parts of ourselves don't want the goal and for really good reason. And that was where the voice dialogue came in. It's like, let's talk to the part that doesn't want it. And never in all my years have I ever found a part that didn't have a good point. Now, maybe you decide they can't lead the show, this part, with whatever point. But it's it's a real point, and, and so it's just so liberating, including give up the goal. If you don't want it, you're not stuck with it. I have a whole chapter, so it's not just about type A personalities reading this book, and it's like, okay, that'll still lock you into the same system. This is about expanding who you are and what do you want, and what resonates, and what's worthy of finishing lines.
0: But isn't that a big part, underlying everything anyway, with all of us, is is the act of self-worth. We seem as a culture to develop people with a lack of self-worth, who then spend a lifetime trying to determine what their self-worth really is. Or am I worthy at all? And so it seems like this goes to the heart of that with us, with one exception. And you perhaps could comment on this, that most of us don't want to do the work. We say we do, but we don't.
1: That's an interesting phenomenon. And maybe because, you know, obviously we're all of a culture, right? So I'm in New York City where, you know, it's one of those places people's go to, like, see if they can make their dreams come true. So the parts of us that operate don't operate in a vacuum. Some of them I do believe are divine and they're universal. But a lot of them literally are of our culture, our time, et cetera. So if the part really doesn't want to do the work, we would go to that part and say, okay, um, we'd go to the part that does want to do the work and then the part that doesn't. In fact, I did work with someone like that who was really struggling. And we went to this part, I'll never forget it. This part moved over and he was the problem. He was the resistance. He was the no. And this part started weeping and saying, I know, because we talk in the third person, right? So we'd say, I know so-and-so hates me. But the way he's focusing, he's focusing on his deficits. He's going to spend his whole time focusing on his deficits. He's got deficits. So what? And I don't want to spend time on that. Let him get help with the deficits or get someone else to do it. But he's missing his larger purpose. We come back, we're both like shaken. You know about energy. In a very short period of time, months, but I've been work, we've been working together for a long time. He completely shifted his focus. And now a couple of years later, he's an author of nearly two books, podcast leader. He is so happy and he struggled with, just like you said, the self hate, the worth, but that part that didn't want to do the work had was that part was accurate, but his motivation was misinterpreted until we could go to that part and say, no, Don't you see? He'll never do anything if the rest of his life it's about these deficits. He's just not going to get good at some of these things. Why are we even caring?
0: You know, one of the things I noticed about the book, too, when you start talking about the inner self, you use some common terms like the inner critic or the, the optimist or the pleaser or perfectionist. But then you also brought out a point of we actually go in And we determine what that inner self is. We actually redeclare something for that, give it a name, you know, whatever it's choosing to be. And and now is that something directly out of voice dialogue that you learned, or is that something more intuitive from just the process of we're not constrained by labels or a list of these are the only inner selves that exist? It
1: comes straight out of voice dialogue. So a few things. One, like a park would come over, we say, well, what's your name? And sometimes they say, I don't know, or I don't have one, but other, and others might say, well, I'm the perfectionist. But then others say, as I say in the book, you know, they have very specific names. One of my favorite passion is that what you said yes yes hello um am am i allowed to curse on this show absolutely are there rules okay so
0: that you must curse on this show oh
1: great okay then my rule follower likes that because i'm about to follow that rule so (laughs) this was wild so i was working with someone and so we went to her bitch she self-defined i'm going to go to my bitch i'm like okay great i (laughs) i love all selves and i just i as a supporter of the cells i just listened and i'm curious so um i s- said uh the so the bitch came out and again we do so much work energetically and physically and you know so the bitch has a particular stance again that's personal to this person and we talk about that where is the bitch in your body that kind of thing so the bitch says i said sometimes we label selves and then when we go to that self the self says like I'm not I'm not a bitch that's what she calls me but my real name is X so that happens but in this case the bitch is like hell yeah I'm the bitch <laughs> and she was no apologies yeah. and the it was a part that embarrassed the client but this one is like and here's another place I'm a bitch and fuck that and <laughs> this and that and and she's like god I'm so happy to be free because so many of ourselves are squelched And it's constricted physically, socially. And so this bitch was having the time of her life. And I'm like, we kind of have to go because the session's kind of ending. But we appreciate your visiting. And and then we came back to center. And that one was also very moving. And she realized how much energy, look how much energy that bitch was holding all this power. Mm. And she wanted to claim it. Like, no, she's not a good girl. And my client needed this energy to get to the next level. She was not going further, being all sweetness and light all the time. Yeah. So that's a perfect example where that self said, that is my name, and I'm sticking to it.
0: You know, a thought struck me, which didn't strike me going through the book, but it struck me with what you shared there. Is is, is it possible that some of our inner selves are not even really formed Some obviously come from maybe a lack of self-worth, but it's it goes back to what you said earlier about the rules. Society creates structures and rules, and some of us are not as comfortable operating within that structure because it's not giving expression to who we are, whatever it is. And I'm not talking about deviant behavior. And so what we do is we lock these up inside. They become the inner selves that become our inner tension that we don't know how to release we go inside to meet them and confront them?
1: Exactly. That's exactly right. And, you know, some people say, well, how, what's the difference between someone who struggles with the final aid issue and someone who doesn't? And I say sometimes there are people who are kind of biologically born in a temperament that fits their household and their natural inclinations are encouraged and things go pretty well. So then that's the mindset. Okay. If I put my mind to something, I can do it. They don't have finally issues. So it's not like everybody is like if so if you fit in the system and you kind of enjoy it that you are falling into but i think most of us don't i do believe those people exist and in that case that goes back to the self worth like i don't fit in so something's wrong with me it's a distortion it's not true it's true you don't fit in it's true you were made to feel less than because of that fact but you're right i mean that society if you don't fit into a particular circle it's Got lifelong devastating consequences if you don't deal with it directly, as you said.
0: You know we spend a lot of our lives too, and this is a little bit off from the final eight, so I, I apologize for digressing. But we spend a lot of our lives looking for connection, and sometimes we don't realize—we certainly don't realize—when we're younger, when we're younger and teenagers, when we think we know things, but we realize most of those years would be better off forgotten. <laughs> yeah. It's like I, I know very few people that can say I had great teenagers. But yeah uh, but I'm we, in
1: that camp. I fit into that circle. <laughs> we had a great
0: one? Great no, one? no. Oh yeah. Oh.
1: Yeah, I'm with you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but but what happened is is that we we think we're supposed to fit in based on where we are instead of recognizing the journey of our life will be in essence finding our tribe. Yes. Finding out where we fit in. And and that would be so much nicer if we could learn that earlier, because then we could develop our inner selves in congruence with the tribe we're seeking, because we'd we'd look more for what is it we're seeking in our tribe versus do I have to belong to Johnny's group?
1: And this is where I think technology in the future and my optimistic selves are kind of merging because now let's say you are stuck in an arena, you're, 12 and 14. And, and you are, I mean, you have to live with your parents most of the time or whatever the case may be. But now with online, you can go to the people that like to play the bassinet or and, uh, have green hair. Yeah. So in fact, I like to think that maybe I know there's cyber bullying and a really dark side of that and that needs to be monitored and controlled. But the other side is you can hold on. Frankly, if we're going to get to the edge, maybe there'll be less suicide because you don't, you know, you're not alone. You know, you're trapped and you can't leave your tiny little town. But when you're. Of age, you could go to that town, and you can actually make connections online with people who share your passions and values, and say, "Hang in there, kid. We'll meet you in the big city, or go to back to nature, whatever it is." So I'm with you, but I think that's where technology can be a little helpful. You can find yourselves, who else jives
0: with you? So yes, and and so now I, I don't want to keep taking us further, further away from the final aid because I did that, but. I want to bring us back to something else you mentioned, which I think is core to the final eighth, at least in my opinion, is the idea of what you call the double bind, which you touched Mm. on earlier when we were talking not only about the bitch, but we were talking about the earlier case of this push-pull where I have two selves, one trying to go this way and one trying to push this way. And and you talked about walking people through the resolution of that. Can you share some of that with the listeners? Because I think that that would be critical for them to consider. Yes.
1: Yeah, so I agree with you that for whatever reason, a lot of us have core negative beliefs. And that's just one of our fundamental truths. So I think kind of two camps of selves get cultivated in relation to that. So then you have a lot of selves who are in, they're all in relation to the core negative belief, but a lot of selves say, okay. So let's say it's I'm worthless, as you know, they're all painful, but if that's my core negative belief, I'm worthless, I'm going to have a lot of cells who are like, okay, I know that's in here, but I'm going to really hope that it's not true. And I'm going to make you be perfect and responsible. And you're going to have lots of goals met and you're going to be a leader in the world because that way you will not be at least considered worthless. And even if you are worthless, it's our secret and no one has to know. So as a result, the seven eighths gets done. You really do get a ton of experiences and skills and all of that. And then you have the other parts that, what, however it plays out in your life, but they believe it. And, um, it's just true. They are passive and also your inner critic could be very much a, um, like, you know, a, a the boss of making sure that you stay connected to the core negative belief. Say I'm worthless. So often they're like these selves are in the background and they'll let you get seven eighths of the way there. You have permission for that, but then suddenly it looks like it's really going to happen. You really will cross the finish line. And suddenly all those parts are like, wait a minute, you're worthless. Did you forget you were worthless? And if you actually cross the finish line, especially if it's a goal that you cherish and it's not because you should – then these parts come out and they come out strong because they're there to make sure that you stay obedient. You stay loyal to those early caregivers that gave you that message and it's blind loyalty and it is out of love. And then when you do voice dialogue and meet those parts and you say, Oh yeah, I know you were told that, but you know, it was never true. It's true that you made decisions based on that. And so there's often grief, but Hey, You might be worthless. I'm a worthless, uh, person in your spacecraft. You, I I don't have any astronaut ability. So if you're going to do a spacecraft, so I I, don't put me on it, but I'm not worthless as a human being. Mm -hmm. And so you really get to feel the difference. And that doesn't mean you're, you have worth everywhere you go in terms of value to society or something like that. And that's really liberating. And also that's, I think, where the deep healing comes in. You're like, Wow, I can handle that. It's vulnerable and it's always going to be like the Achilles heel, right? These wonderful Greek myths and all myths. It's because they're part of human nature. We're not ever going to not have an Achilles heel. Mine might not be at the ankle. It might be in the heart, but, and you get, so you get to just hold the part of you that has those wounds, but they don't have to come dictate the show and they get the love they were originally looking for, but from you, from within and You don't have to directly go to heal your core negative belief because that often seems difficult. But if you just go to love the parts of yourself and then find out which ones are attached and say, Oh, right. No, you know, it's it's sad and it's painful, but it's not true. And I'm here to tell you, and you notice the way I'm talking, it to me usually it's just a very soft loving energy. It's not like, let me tell you the truth, there's no, because that just doesn't work. It's not harsh, usually. The approach is is love, and it's incredibly healing, and it also helps intimacy. You get less fearful of letting people in if you don't have to hide the secret that really you're worthless because you realize it's not true.
0: You made me think of two things. You made me think of two things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, I did. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how I said that.
0: One was actually when you were talking about the myths and even about Achilles, I, I actually started thinking about Sisyphus, which was oh, yes. pushing the boulder. That's the seven-eighths. We pushed totally. the to the top of the hill, and then it rolls back down, and we're back down, pushing it back up again. We can't understand why we can't get to the top of the mountain. I was thinking, that's your seven-eighths right there. And what you're doing is bringing us to the top of the mountain where the boulder stays. Yes. then the second thing is, just the other day I was listening to a TED Talk. I don't remember the woman's name. But I remember her saying that in a lot of communication studies or people teaching people to communicate, they're saying, let me teach you the techniques of what you need to do to show people you're listening. And her response was, if you're listening, you don't need a technique, you know, and it's a lot of what you're saying here. If we can learn just to find that self-worth ourselves, self-worth about ourselves, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. We've yeah. got to have the worth for ourselves and the love for ourselves. Everything can flow from that. Unfortunately, so many of us are not taught that, instructed that, or reinforced on that even as we go through our lives. It's always about how do I need to approach this? What technique should I do here? What technique should I do for that? So, And I also the up. final, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, please. No,
1: I was just going to say you're, that's exactly right. And also sometimes that's why the final eighth is so puzzling. Like people will say, but I, I'm doubling down on all of these fabulous skills and techniques and I don't understand it. And they're serious. And it's like, it's not. that's not the problem and that is not the solution. Put the techniques there; they're wonderful. When you need them, pick one up. In the meantime, be with yourself, and that's what you need to do. You're exactly right.
0: So through the through through the, I'm going to say confrontation, but through the identification of our inner selves and our communication with our inner selves, what we're really doing we're we're finding our inner selves' motivations, the different components, what their motivations are. Yes. And once we have, like everything else we do in life, once we have understanding, we're usually able to move past or beyond. It's exactly. lack of understanding that keeps us blocked.
1: Yes. And also, when you don't have a sense that you're more than your primary selves, then you think you're always right. And and that locks you in. And it might feel right. Like, uh, you know, I'm correct in this position. But, but you don't have any options. Like, well, maybe you're not. Because you can't handle the truth that, wow, what if I was wrong? But of course we're wrong sometimes. So that's the other thing, is that you have more options than your usual, like, doubling down and being right. Uh, Sidra Stone, one of the co-creators, my mentor, she says one of the things you have to give up when you really start to do voice dialogue, and we all miss it, maybe you'll miss it, is self-righteousness. She's like, it's so delicious to feel that you're totally right and everyone else is wrong. But you have to give that up once you're in the voice dialogue world, or just enlightened, aware, because you realize I may not be. I may be. It does. It's not even the issue. It's so. I'm not quite sure how we got in this, but I'm just agreeing. It it enlarges oh, oh, who think, you are.
0: Yeah, but I think that's a perfect thing to also express about the final aid is that. You know, our dialogue in the country today is so polarized because everybody is so self-righteous. But what if we weren't self-righteous? What if we were truly able to understand ourselves and understand others? That doesn't mean agree with them. That doesn't mean accept their views. That doesn't mean not seeing where they're flawed or where we're flawed. It just means we can understand that they're a person who lives and believes that way. That doesn't make them wrong to anything except your views, not their views. I was sharing a conversation today with my sister that I said, in this polarized community, one of the things we forget, in my opinion, because I'm self-righteous, of course.
1: (laughs) It is nice feeling, isn't it? When you just think about it, it's like delicious.
0: But in my opinion, is that everyone, no matter who they are, believes they're good. Yes. It's just we decide who's good or not by our judgment. But everybody thinks they're good. Everybody thinks they're doing the right thing or see it the proper way.
1: Yes. And I don't know if I'm, maybe my edgy trickster is coming out, but I was <laughs> listening to one of your podcasts and you said something I thought really interesting and tell me if I have it wrong, but like, but then there is sort of a, 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 a stand that you have to take. And you talked about a friend who you said wasn't doing well. So you listened without responding and you kind of mentioned and everything is okay, except nothing deviant. And so I agree with you. Everyone feels that they're good and, but, but there have to be also standards. Like yes. it's not, I'll speak for myself. It's not okay to put anybody in a cage. And I don't think animals either, frankly. But, uh, and with voice dialogue, you can hold, hold both parts, but you don't have to let go of your own ethics and say, but, I stand for this not being allowed or the opposite. This must be allowed.
0: Well, and I think that was a a great example that you shared is that you said, I don't believe we should put anyone in a cage. Okay. You didn't tell me we should never put anyone in a cage. How could you think that you're not challenging me? You're just, that's the whole point of dialogue. I see it this way. You see it that way. We may never agree. I may still walk away thinking horrible things, Uh, you know, about the person, but that doesn't mean we should close the dialogue. Exactly. uh, And and I think that's what you're doing with the inner selves. You're actually doing the very same thing. You're saying, let's listen to the dialogue of the inner selves so we can better understand ourselves, find where our blocks are. And a great thing you bring forward, I think is chapter eight, going or get gone, get going or get gone. (laughs) you know, which is maybe my dreams, not really my dream. Maybe I'm holding it because somebody said it to me when I was 10 and I thought that's what I'm supposed to do. And I have an inner self holding on to that, but it's not really mine.
1: Yes. Yes. I have a whole chapter so that this is not just for type A personalities. I thought, Oh my gosh, I better be inclusive. I need the, yeah. Because again, back to society's pressures, You often get pressure like, what? You're going to drop it now? You've gone so far. Well, maybe you're right. Dropping it is the exact right thing. And sometimes it's a way to avoid the larger feelings. So if you're constantly working on something, you those parts are saving you from not feeling whatever other more difficult emotions. Sometimes they're just used to avoid emotions. And it's like, all right, if you let this go, what else is there? And then again, if you listen and dialogue with the different parts, you you start to express yourself in a much different and more, um, with more synchronicity and just symphony of your own selves.
0: So if we take the two things together, one of the things is what I said at the beginning, the definitely directed thought. And we take the get going or get gone and tie those two together. We can recognize, I think, that <laughs> our inner selves are letting us do what we think about most to begin with. Wherever we're focusing, our yes. inner selves are driving us. And yes. that even includes to the seventh eighth, seventh eight. We just don't know where we have the inner dialogue preventing the, the last eight, but it's taking us there. But then we do have that thought that we're maybe unconscious to us, that's saying you can go no further. You're not worth it. You're not capable enough. You're not good enough. Whatever it is, you're not going to be, you're going to be revealed. People will see you. Whatever that is, that's the other one that's just right in front of us. And it's still a definitely directed thought, even though, so by working with the inner selves, we become aware of it. We can work with it. We can become partners with it. And we can move forward appropriately, which may mean drop the dream or get the dream. Exactly.
1: And the other thing you were saying earlier is about how the card that you picked for this year is about dropping things yeah. so that, oh, there she is. <laughs> and I think voice dialogue really helps with that because it's not so easy. If you think about that she's got, she's surrounded and clutching to her belongings, there's a part that's terrified. And so the, so it's like, all right, well, that's okay. Let's talk to that part. We don't have to give up the belongings just uh, in some violent way, because that usually doesn't work. You'll give up the belongings for two months, and they'll be right back. And and so I just got that lovely image when you were sharing about that. Like, right? So let's let's deal directly with this terrified one. This one that's thinks thinks the solution is in the holding on. It's just not correct, but from its point of view, it's trying to help. And so you can just like almost with an infant's hands, you could just open them gently and say, that's okay. But here is something else or even nothing should be in. Just open those hands and be available.
0: Well, you know, and she may be a good example, uh, the, the, the miser. She may be a good example of the next question I really had for you, which I found interesting. And it was the entire discussion about inaction, about mm-hmm. how inaction, is just as much of a trap as any other addictive behavior we may have. So could you share a little bit? Because I would bet everyone listening has a trap of inaction somewhere in their life.
1: So I've got several that I list, and these are things that get you uh, off your goals. So some of them are kind of evident, like too much drinking or smoking or something like that. And then you get, you lose a couple days every week. And so that, is a way to do inaction. But one that happens a lot and people aren't so aware of is the elation of the ideas and sharing about them and enjoying connecting about how fabulous it's going to be, but never doing the work, as you were saying earlier. And then there's the mirage goal, which is great for the seven eights. You know, all but dissertation, right? You're going to go for your PhD, And you do all the research and more and more research. You take all the classes and they have, it's ABD. They are, it's so common that they have a phrase for it, all but dissertation, but they don't go the other way. And so a lot of inaction is hidden under busyness. So again, the busy selves make it look like, ah, yes, I'm doing this and you're doing something. That's true, but it may not have much to do with literally getting and crossing your finish line.
0: And of that, that, Same issue as did you spend all day updating your Facebook posts or, or did you work on what you needed to work on? Yeah, yeah. You know, in chapter 10, you start putting us back in charge of our inner selves. You actually kind of round us all up and you get to hire and fire, you can bring in new selves, redirect (laughs) selves, reassign selves, do the whole thing. Can you, uh, can you share what kind of led to that process? And how, how I could leave this call today if I chose to for the listener and maybe start considering reassigning some of my inner selves.
1: I would love to, because that was a huge part of my own process. So you get to know yourselves, but at a certain point, what resonates with you now? And so with, um, you, so there's a few things and the book highlights them so people, readers can do it. Yeah. But one is maybe one of yourselves or more. Maybe they have a job that's literally beneath them. Like they are not the toilet cleaner. They really are the CEO. And so sometimes you are doing a job. You're using the self in just the most, in a way, insulting manner. So you can update them and give them a promotion because it fits them. Not because you should, but it's like the royal part of you needs to have a kingdom to run. So don't have them do your errands. And then another one is also, um, figuring it out and, and, and saying, Oh, I want to cultivate a certain self. Let me, let me bring some self in. Now you can fire a self, but you can never get rid of it. So that's important to know. So, but you can fire your busybody self and say, so, you know what? You're getting in the way of being, of me being able to be in the moment and, and be present in my social circle. I, you, so you can fire a person, but that, Busy body part has got to have a job. And maybe the job then is, well, why don't you keep track of the current election system? So I'll give you that to do because that at least has some merit because maybe I can give back. And then another one, and it came when it, ha- it happened to me, I'd done obviously years of work and I had a massive inner critic attack, massive, just beating me up, kind of like the old days. And this line came up. And I said to it, who do you think you work for? Because I realized in that moment, my inner critic after all these years, after all my hard work was still going to the original bosses. And that was huge. And I said, you can be the inner critic, which means you're sharp. Your energy is never going to be warm and fuzzy, but you work for me. So you protect me. You be my bouncer, but do not be a bouncer for those people you worked for in my original days early on this planet. And that was huge. And it's like, and notice my energy. I had to be able to be strong enough to say, I accept your ways, inner critic, because in my book, I say, ask any self, what are five good things about that self? There's lots of good things about your inner critic, but what isn't good and not allowed is abuse, uh, toxic corrosion. And so that was a big one and why I wanted to write that chapter. Like, They still will be themselves, but remind them that they work with higher power, and they are yours, and you are the boss. That doesn't mean control freak. That could be a different self. But, whoa. So my inner critic has never done that again, has never gone back to the old days. So I, if that inspires your readers, really, to say, because the suffering is tremendous with inner critics.
0: Well, and they're also wounded. The inner critics themselves are a little are wounded.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: It strikes me that you know inner critics believe they're not being heard, right. so they keep carping till they're heard. And so you you gave you gave uh, purpose, you gave resonance, you gave voice to your inner critic. A lot of validation there,
1: and a and a job. Like I think of the inner critic can be a good editor, a great discerner, a standard bearer. So, okay, I'm, I'm in, but you can't hit me over the head. And also back to earlier stuff we talked about, the inner critic usually is the, 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 uh, five star general to support your core negative belief. And so it's wounded because it believes the core negative belief also, but it also, it's kind of distorted purpose is to hurt you so that you can be perfect. It's again, motivation is pure. Okay. I'm going to tell you where you're not measuring up. And if you're not listening, I'm going to make sure I'm going to yell how you're not measuring up. But eventually separating even the inner critic from understanding the core negative belief is not true. So now inner critic, go ahead. Tell me where I messed up because maybe I did. Now I can hear it. I didn't do my mic right. And so next time I should be better prepared. Often their advice is really great when the toxicity has been released.
0: Right, right. Yeah. The world did not end and no one died.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good standard to have. Right. It makes bravery so much easier. And yeah. I, I'm not being, um, you know, it, it's true. If you put it in perspective, it's, it's but, again, liberating.
0: As a retired Marine, that's one of the things I share in in my current practices with people right now. And they say, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, hey, nobody died. We're good. You know, wow. that, that's the bottom line standard. Now let's learn. Let's move on. You know, so.
1: Wow. And,
0: um, it's something I've adopted. Not necessarily usable by all, but that's how I do it. But actually. This has been just terribly enjoyable for me. It really has. I, I so appreciate your openness and what you're sharing. I haven't shown the book because I have a publicist version of it. But I do want folks to know that you can actually find out more about Bridget at her website, bridget dangled com. That's on the guest page of goodvibrationsradio.com. Oh, for those who didn't get it, just go there, click the link, go over. You can also purchase the book, The Final Eighth, Eighth being the number eight with a TH on Amazon. It is available in both paperback and hardback. So please go ahead and look that. And Bridget, is there any final thoughts or points that you really would like to emphasize for the, for the listeners to give them really any encouragement, thoughts, motivation, inspiration, or just tell them to to open their wallets?
1: (laughs) Well, also, they can, uh, on social media, um everywhere. So you could just also Google, the finally, if you forget all the details. Okay, good. But what I would like to share is that every third Thursday of the month, so once a month, uh, at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, I offer with my colleague a free, you just have to get the Zoom information from me, so you need to contact me, uh, basic voice dialogue facilitation demonstrations so we do two each time and that way people can really just get the basics of how it works and it's absolutely complementary to the book and uh, we do it live it's 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 it unfolds as it unfolds and it's a lot of fun so also if people are like well, i don't quite get it because i'm reading it and i kind of intellectually understand it but how does it like work <laughs> third third thursdays of the month uh and please feel free to join and watch and we'll watch a person go to oneself, self, come back to center, and go to the other, and it's just amazing.
0: Well, that's that's wonderful. And I actually, I'd encourage everybody to do that. That would be, give you a good sense. Uh, the book is easy to read. It's not hard to read. It's not ponderous. I hope it didn't sound too complex as we discussed it. <laughs> Don't think it did because I think uh, Bridget, you're wonderful in being very clear and very direct and 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 very um, not. Just very clear and very direct. Leave it there. Any other words are just too many.
1: (laughs) Was that you being clear and direct? (laughs) (laughs) Very well done. Well done.
0: (laughs) That was fun. But uh, just as we prepare to close out September, you know, we said the final eighth is a guide to help us get in touch with our inner selves, move past that inner block that keeps us from moving forward. That's an important thing for all of us in this year. As we close out September, we're moving into the final quarter of the year, in the last few months of 2020. We want to keep in mind that uh, 2020 was about finding our true selves. And we want to remember what Oscar Wilde told us. Be yourself. Everyone else is already taken.
1: <laughs> I love Oscar Wilde. <laughs>
0: That's right. So, We started with the thought of definitely directed thought. We followed that with all achievements, whether in business, intellectual, or spiritual world, are the result of definitely directed thought. Trust in the healing power of divine intelligence, and I translate that to be the divine that's already within us. The light within, bring the light within out. The world can always use more light, and you're never wrong by bringing your light out. As we close, I'd like to share the anonymous poem from Empower Astrology that's one of my favorites, which is, in the midst of hate, I found there was within me an invincible love. In the midst of tears, I found there was within me an invincible smile. In the midst of chaos, I found there was within me an invincible calm. I realized through it all that in the midst of winter, I found there was within me an invincible summer. No matter how hard the world pushes against us, within us, there's something stronger. There's something better. Pushing right back. Whatever we do, do it from your heart. Choose to express from love in all your encounters. Live and practice loving kindness in all situations. Accept and love yourself unconditionally. Just surrender all to love. We're not victims. We have choices. Thank you, Bridget, for joining us on Good Vibrations Radio tonight. Thank you so much for sharing your book, The Final Eighth, and giving us guidance and encouragement to move closer to our dreams. And we're going to talk again, folks, on Wednesday, September 23rd, when uh, I'll speak with Ellen Meredith, the author of The Language Your Body Speaks. Until then remember to turn the lead in your life into gold. Thank you for listening. Namaste Gotta keep those love good. are happening.